Welcome to the Story King Podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today we're going to talk about morality in fiction with author Deborah Gadini. Now, if my listeners recall, I read a couple of short stories by Deborah in episode 9 of the first season, and when I reached out to her about the interview and possible subjects we can discuss, she suggested writing morals as a theme, and I thought it was a brilliant topic. So, you're about to listen to a Zoom conversation I had with Deborah about morals and morality's overall place in contemporary fiction. Hi, Deborah. Hi, how you doing? I'm okay. Welcome to the Story King podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, I wanted to start off with a few uh, personal questions before we get into the deeper stuff about morals and fiction. And uh, the first question I had for you was, when did you first get into writing fiction? Like, how old were you? I started very late. I started at the age of 50, uh, just four years ago. Oh, wow. So, you had no writing experience prior to that, writing fiction? Well, I was writing for 30 years before that. I mean, since the age of 14, more than that. Um, I, was, I always wrote things on scraps of paper, wrote sort of stories, but I mean, officially sort of sat down and finished a book from cover to cover. Okay, so you did have an interest, though. So the things you were writing on scrap paper, they were like fiction ideas or was it something else? Absolutely. Fiction ideas. Um, since the age of 14, I've been interested in, in writing. It was just never the right time I was raising my children. Right. And I wrote a little here and there. But to actually sit down and be able to, you know, finish a book from start to finish, that only happened from the age of 50. From the age of 50. So there's hope for the late bloomer. Absolutely. <laughs> I have a, fr- a good friend, too, who did the same thing after she raised her children. Now she's writing as well. Oh, nice. All right. Well, that, that's, uh, that's good to know for, for people who think maybe they're getting into it a little too late. Well, what made you even decide, okay, now's the time? Was it just, you know, the kids were out of the house and you just had the time or, or how did that go? Well, it was always the plan. It was really always the plan to really sit down and really get into the writing once the kids were uh, launched on their own. And um, so it was, you know, it was finally the time. It was years and years that I had this goal. Okay, so you did definitely always have that desire, at least from teenage years, that you did have this desire that you wanted to write then. Right, and I I wrote, I have old floppy disks, and, you know, going through the years, you could see what I wrote on, you know, there were notebooks, and then there were floppy disks. (laughs) Right, right. uh, uh, Those, uh, what do you call it, sticks you put in there, the USB uh, sticks. Flash drives. Yeah, everything. So I had to gather, when I started writing, I had to gather all of this material. I I still have tons of it. And then now I start putting in from my books, from all this material. So I have... Now, your first book then, was that that the collection of short stories? Was that your, or was that The House of Grant? Which one was your first? The House of Grant, the the novel was the first one. Okay, so now was that an idea that you had been building for years or, or no? Yes, it had been. It started oh. out as a something I wanted to write about the world to come, the afterlife, and how everything is symbolic, how everything we do in this life, um, we create in, in the next life. 
So um, I wanted to do that for years, and I thought that was the first one just that I started with. Right. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of that line in, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe, but he has this line in the beginning where he goes, what we do in, li- what we do in this life echoes in eternity. So, so that kind oh, yeah. of, uh, it exactly. sounds like what you're saying there. So for people that aren't familiar with your work, how would you describe your fiction? Is there a particular genre you write in? I would say religious fiction. To me, it's religious fiction. Uh, religious spiritual book. inspiration could also be that that's that's my point when i write i don't write to just write i write to teach you write to to teach i see it okay so religious spiritual that's uh what people can expect when when they when they buy your work and and you market it like that too right like on amazon oh absolutely absolutely And uh, where do you find inspiration for ideas? I mean i know you said the house of grant was something sort of building in you for a number of years um do they just come to you? Is, is there a certain process you have? Uh, well, I would say the religious ideas come first. As a religious person, I learn a lot. So I learn a lot of Bible and um, commentary on Bible. And um, so it's the religious um, concept that first sort of takes hold in me. And then I figure, is this better for a short story? Is this better for a novel? Is this the vehicle in a, like House of Grant was a haunted house story? that worked very well with the concept that I wanted to um, write about. Mm-hmm. Um, and one turned out, it started as a novel. My last one, The Devil's Conference, started as a novel, but ended up as this little sort of novelette. <laughs> right. Just, you know, as you probably know, um, you know, stories tend to write themselves. Right. You know, right. so sometimes you, you just say, this is the end of the story. It's not novel length. Right. You know, you have you have an idea like I'm going to write a novel, and then you you're writing it, and you're like, oh, this is a much quicker story than that. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, and sometimes I, when I'm writing a short story, I realize it's really just a, a micro fiction piece. Like there's just this one simple idea I'm trying to communicate, and I don't actually need all that that time to say it. You know, you know, I I tend to have the philosophy that you should write a story in its shortest form. Like you don't need any. Mm. extraneous or you know not everybody feels that way but i feel it, the shortest form possible and if that's a novel then then so be it but i don't like uh, a lot of fluff you know i like it i like it lean that's that's just me personally yeah yeah that, well that's a good writer i edit i try to edit that way there's something called the you ever hear the hemingway edit uh no, no i'm not familiar what is that hemingway I, I think i'm pretty sure it's hemingway you edit like um you just chop 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 and chop like you always get down to the least amount of words that you can say that sounds like hemingway yeah 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 (laughs) is he the one who said kill your darlings i know that that's like a saying you know that that like the things that are that seem precious to you but don't really have any place in the story just you got to be ruthless about it Uh, yeah i heard that i don't know if it's uh, attributed to hemingway or not but i've heard that and uh now you said you ha- you start with like let's say a religious idea or a concept in the Bible or or whatever and um, so d- does that sort of uh, you use that to springboard as, as like a premise like oh I'd like to write a story about this idea and you start forming characters at that point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I can also because I have such a humongous volume of writing from the past you know uh, thirty five years or so. That mm-hmm. I tend to go, like, I have it organized, and I tend to go and I could find some characters 
that I had, you know, um, wanted to develop and that I wrote down as ideas. And I can, I can use all of this, these things, this material that I have. Right. So combination. So then writers should really uh, hold on to stuff, even if they don't um, complete it. You, you would encourage writers to just sort of hang on to those ideas because you might have, it sounds like you're a perfect example of somebody who, you know, holds on to things and then you're able to sort of repurpose them at the right time. Is, it, is that fair to say? Absolutely. And I think most writers do this naturally. We're always scribbling down ideas and half-baked stories and, and right. all types of things. And yes, keep those because you can always use them in one story or if not one, then the other. Great. All right. So let's move on. We're going to have a discussion about morals and fiction. And um, we sort of already uh, began that with your story, House of Grant, and how you come up with ideas and so forth. Um, you know, we're all familiar with the term, the moral of the story is. I have quite a few favorite stories and books that I consider having good morals from Aesop's Fables, Tortoise and the Hare, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, Hans Christian Andersen's The Emperor's New Clothes. But in addition to children's literature, there are a bunch of adult works too that have clear morals. As far as I'm concerned, for example, my family and I, uh, last year we read The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. It's about the friendship between two 10-year-old boys, the son of a Nazi and a Jewish boy in a concentration camp that his father works at. And there's this clear moral and message in the book about arbitrary divisions and how we're all more alike than different. And then there are the great dystopian works of the 20th century, um, thinking of uh, Orwell's 1984, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, and even Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. All of these have deep morals signaling a warning of sorts for society if we, or our governments rather, keep going down certain paths. So, I'm curious, what are some literary influences of yours or favorite stories or books that, that you feel have good morals? Okay, so interestingly, I don't read a lot of fiction, <laughs> believe okay. it or not. I know that is like one of the things I tell um, writers, you know, uh, that you have to read a lot of fiction, read a lot of fiction. I don't. Um, again, like I get my inspiration from my um, from my nonfiction sources, my um, religious studies, and my vivid imagination. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I mean, I, I do read a lot, but I also get, as far as like inspiration, uh, I agree that I get a lot of my inspiration from nonfiction sources, uh, you know, religious sources like the Bible and even um, uh, articles I read, science ideas and stuff like that. So I'll read like nonfiction things and I'll be like, oh, that would be a cool story idea. So most of my inspiration is coming from nonfiction sources. Now, were you always like that? Was there a time like growing up that you read uh, um, or were you were you always interested in, in uh, you know, religious nonfiction texts and uh, opposed to, to fiction? No, no, I wasn't raised religious. So I became religious in my early 20s. But I... There was a time I read fiction, you know, I had, in the 80s, I read some, I'm embarrassed to say, you know, some trashy, like, Jackie novels, <laughs> Jack, right, Jackie right. Collins novels. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then in high school, I, I liked the classic American um, short stories. I liked uh, Paula Cather's, uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, Paul's Case, Willa Cather, I think, is, is the author of that one. Uh -huh. All classic American stories. Gotcha. Um, you know, I love Catcher in the Rye, of course, yeah. Right, right. We were actually just watching, uh, my wife and I were watching uh, Salinger's uh, documentary, uh, Pretty Strange Guy, but, uh, but the book is, a, it's a great book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Now, let me ask you, um, I, I couldn't find the exact quote, so this is a paraphrase, but I read a book, it's about screenwriting by Robert McKee called A Story. And uh, now he made a statement, he goes, the only moral responsibility a writer has is to tell the truth. So what, what do you think of a statement like that? Is, is that fair to say? Is it moral enough to simply tell the most honest story you can without doing anything that can be interpreted as heavy-handed? I, w- I would imagine you disagree with that. Well, I mean, Story is an excellent book, and McKee is an expert at what he does, uh, teaching the craft of writing. But however, he's, I don't feel he's an authority on moral responsibility. So his remarks about that subject don't really hold a lot of weight with me. Uh, I think writers have the same moral responsibility as everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, you mean just as human beings? Yeah, as human beings. Like, McKee can tell me how to structure the plot, and how, but I don't think he can really tell me what my moral responsibilities as a writer are. Interesting. Right, right. So basically, you're, you're saying it's kind of an individual thing, you know, for, based on the writer's overall, I guess, perspective on life and philosophical and even religious leanings and, and that they have to be obedient to, to that. Would you, would you say that? Well, I would say morality is something that's outside of writing. Writing is a vehicle of human expression. So I don't find that that writing has a certain, you know, that someone who's an expert on writing can tell me about morals. I mean, morals have to do with everything in your life, whether it's with your writing, with your behavior, with everything. That, that's what I was getting at. Okay. Now, you, you told me in an email, you said that you feel uh, contemporary stories are more about leaving the reader with more open-ended questions without providing any real answers, and that it's more about making you, the reader, think rather than encouraging general morals. Why don't you uh, expound on that a little bit? Well, yes. I mean, I think it's a sign of living in pretty godless times that we live in that, you know, it's things are for entertainment purposes only and don't tell me how to think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very woven to our modern culture and even synonymous with freedom, the whole concept of don't tell me what to do. Um, you know, right, ever. And, right. and that's actually a, a quite an extreme and unsustainable way to live because human beings always need each other um, to encourage good behavior and discourage bad behavior. But I think art in particular, art and particularly storytelling is a mirror. So, I mean, we watch or read about people and their behaviors from the outside when we're telling a story. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a mirror that you hold up to the individual and to society. So, I mean, what is the purpose of a mirror? You look into a mirror to fix yourself up. We don't look into a mirror to make us think or for entertainment purposes only. We look into a mirror to do something, to, to fix our hair, to, to straighten our tie, that, you know, that sort right. of thing. And art being a mirror, I think that's a really important concept. I don't think it's just for entertainment purposes only. All right, so... How do you go about embedding a moral into your story? Can you walk us through your thought process and or technique, perhaps? Is it, is it about what, like, the protagonist is dealing with on a personal individual level? Is it about creating a neutral environment with clear distinctions of good and evil characters like Star Wars, Harry Potter? You know, there's these clear lines of good and evil. Or is it about, like, the corrupt world the protagonist inhabits? Again, I'm thinking of those, like, dystopian novels where the whole setting is sort of dark and the main character awakens to that darkness and wants out. So, how do you go about ensuring a moral is clearly conveyed in the story? Is that even intentional for you? 
Yeah, I think it is. And I think that the inner struggle is more, the, the, your last example is more of, you know, what my stories reflect. Um, the person's inner struggle, the person's inner conflict, um, and them becoming, so them learning lessons. Right. Um, and let's see, because I think that all the books, yeah, all the books I've I've written are just this inner struggle of, of the person who learns the, the moral lesson in the end after conflict and struggle. Right. I mean, that last point actually, as I, as I was asking it, it reminded me of uh, your book, The Devil's Conference, where you have this like uh, demon that's sort of awakening to his demonhood almost, and he's not liking it, <laughs> you know? It's like the whole world is, hey, you can't get more corrupt than a conference of demons and devils, right? And he's sort of just like, ah, I, I want, you know, I kind of want out of this, you know? Yeah, I wanted the reader to to identify with him, with the de- with the demon, the devil, as, as the protagonist, so right. that they would rooting for him to because he wanted to you know to go over to the other side right and that that's what i found myself doing too i'm like wow i'm i'm rooting for this demon so <laughs> that so good story because he's the the protagonist in it you know yeah i think it's clever because sometimes people don't want to i like simplicity so some some people don't like they get turned off when the moral is too in your face and and they're right. saying, oh yeah, here's the guy, and we know what's going to happen, and we know he's going to do good. And if when it's when it's the devil himself or one of the devils that I talk uh-huh. that are, um, you know, just he's absolutely getting disgusted with <laughs> with, right. and with the rest of the devils. Right, so, right. I thought that was interesting. So I'm going to ask you one last question. What would you say to up and coming aspiring authors and writers? Is there any piece of advice you can? you can give them? I mean, that's sort of a broad question, but is there any word of encouragement you would give to authors? I mean, it's a hard time to be a writer, you know, it's almost like the internet has made everything very saturated. And what would you uh, say to to an up-and-coming aspiring author? Well, I would say uh, there's two things. I would say that there's um, authenticity. You have to write what you really feel. Hmm. don't th- um you know don't be too caught up with well you know what's the zeitgeist now and what's going to sell and what's going to you really to really i think be a really good authentic writer you really need to know yourself and know what you're trying to say not just you know the story you want to tell um and the second thing i would say is more practical is just the consistency and the persistence you know you have to make a time you have to take it seriously. You have to make a time every day. You have to sit down in that chair. And like you were talking about earlier, the word counts. Right. Your yeah. Get right. Like, right. You got to be, you got to be, consi- nobody's holding you accountable to this, but yourself. <laughs> right. So yeah. you got to take yourself serious. Well, both very uh, good pieces of advice, authenticity and do the work. So Absolutely. Anyway, Deborah, so this was a, I, I really enjoyed this interview. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay, thank you so much again for having me. <laughs> so that was my conversation with Deborah Cadini on moral fiction. I hope you guys enjoyed that. There'll be more interviews to come this season. I definitely encourage everyone to check out Deborah Cadini's books. They're available on Amazon.com, and I'll include that link in the show notes for everyone. 
Now, if any of you listeners out there write a story and would like the chance for it to be read on the show, or if you want to send me a writing prompt for me to write a story, you can email it to storykingpodcast at gmail.com. Just include your name and where you're from. Again, that's storykingpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on YouTube and Twitter. Those links will be in the show notes. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram. Our username on there is storyking.podcast. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You can choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash thestoryking. The link will be in the show notes as well. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of subscribing and leaving a positive review on iTunes or the medium of your choice. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. Please join us next time for another great story. Until then, 